time you need auto parts and accessories, trust the parts professionals at the 102 Chicagoland O'Reilly Auto Parts stores. Our professional parts people know what it takes to get the job done right. Professionals have counted on O'Reilly Auto Parts for decades. Now you can too. Professional parts people. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. Do you believe that death is the end? Or is it just a new beginning? beginning. Does our soul continue to evolve? Or is it buried six feet under? Spiritual encounters and unexplained phenomena have intrigued people for centuries. But what if you could find the answer? Right here, right right now. Welcome to Heavenly Encounters, Encounters. where we will talk with everyday people who have had extraordinary experiences and gifted souls that see beyond the veil. veil. Together, we'll diminish our fear of death, explore our soul's evolution, and soften the crippling grief that accompanies loss. Heavenly Encounters. You, our listeners, will discover a new world. A fresh reality. A fresh reality. Just a whisper away. Heavenly encounters. So take a deep breath and join us on this fascinating adventure. This is Heavenly Encounters. Heavenly Encounters. A journey to the other side. Heavenly Encounters. Welcome to Heavenly Encounters, a journey to the other side. I am your host, Mary Elizabeth, broadcasting from Chicago, Illinois. And I am the co-host, Janice, broadcasting live from St. Louis, Missouri. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We have got a fabulous guest. Her name is Jean Rivard, a former real estate broker who flatlined in the recovery room after a routine tonsillectomy over 30 years ago. Today, she lives with the love of her life, who has transitioned to the other side. Jean, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, ladies. Uh, I'm deeply honored that you invited me to partake in this inaugural launching of your show. It's just <laughs> going to be a marvelous show, and it's it's what people are yearning for right now. And uh, I, I'm so happy and honored to be here. Thank you. Well, thank you well, for I'm being so... our first guest. Absolutely. But let's start at the very beginning. I can't wait to talk about your little your roommate at the end. But first, let's start with your <laughs> surgery. Tell us what happened. Well, um, Mary and Janice, uh, Mary, you know a little bit about the story. And um, mm-hmm. this goes back, we peel the years back to the early 1970s. And at that time, I had gone through a divorce and uh, was the sole support of two little girls. They were preschool and uh, Lisa and Laura, and um, I had a problem with my tonsils. Now, most of the kids in my generation had them out when they were five and six years old, and they went in the hospital, and they had a popsicle and a sore throat, mm-hmm. and the next day they were back in school, but not me. I kept my tonsils, never had problems with them, but, you know, at that point, they started getting infected, and I would get very sick for for very long periods of time, and I could not afford to lose that time off of work 
being a single mom and holding down one and two jobs at that time. So eventually the um, ear, nose, throat specialist said, you know, Jean, you really must have these tonsils out because it's just going to get worse. And, of course, my memory was children, uh, you know, with a popsicle. I'm going to go in, have right. a sore throat, go leave. And so they admitted me to the hospital, and um, I, my best friend Cheryl insisted on coming along with me, and I said, no, 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 this is, you know, this is nothing. This is like a cuticle. And uh, she just insisted. <laughs> so <laughs> thank God she was an angel to be there because later on she was able to uh, coordinate and verify all the things that had happened. Right. So um, I, I guess the surgery went fine. I don't have any recollection of that. And it was probably a snip snip was supposed to be like 15, 20 minute procedure. And um, then afterwards, I was rolled into the recovery room, which is normal. And something happened at that point where um, I began to lift out of my body. And I was yeah. up on the ceiling, and the only way I know it was not the it was not the surgical operating room; it was the recovery right. room because they do put a nurse right at your bedside to monitor all of your um, statistics and and the machinery right. and equipment and so forth. And the one that you know shows your heartbeat and brain activity and everything flatline. Um, I saw her from the top of the ceiling because I'm looking down; I could see my body on that bed but you know it's very active uh very vivid thought or recollection that i have of her she threw her arms up in the air and she said oh my god she's dying (laughs) (laughs) did you panic at all or did it just didn't didn't even seem real pardon did you panic at all or did you just it's just like watching television no panic. I looked at the machine and I saw that it was flatline. I had no emotion toward that event that was unfolding. It was like if you stood in your own bedroom and you took off your dirty clothes from the day and you threw them on the floor or the bed or whatever and you looked at them, you, you really mm-hmm. don't have any emotion toward that. Yeah, no big deal. Did you and that was pretty much thing? how I felt. Pardon? I was going to say, did you know it was you flatlining with what you oh, saw? Absolutely. absolutely. But you're into such a, a state of lightness and co- high consciousness, far more aware and far more alive than you are in this physical dense body. I didn't care about what was going on in that room. I began to move. I can't say ascend. And I didn't go through a tunnel like many people have reported. Mm -hmm. But I began to move through dimensions. And the only way I can describe it, and I will do my very best, but the experience really defies words in our human vocabulary. We we just can't connect. Um, If you remember ever riding in an old elevator where it kind of like bumped from, from, Right. floor to floor, right. and you could actually feel yourself going up. Compare that to a new elevator where you step on and, and you feel nothing. You know, you just get off and, and, and you're on the floor. That's more like the uh, transition that I had. I can't say it was going up, down, sideways, or, or any other direction, 
But as I moved through these frequencies, um, I began to experience. It's more of an experiential. It's not so much seeing and hearing, but I do remember visions. And uh, the, the higher frequencies of flowers, uh, I saw flowers that, of course, do not exist in this dimension because their frequencies are, mm-hmm. are way too high. Right. But they were alive, and they were like lit and luminescent from the inside. And they were so, so beautiful, and they were filled with so much love. And it was as if the flowers were welcoming you home. And then I began to feel and, uh, well, hear music. And much like we have heard stories about choirs of angels, how angelic and uplifting it is, it was like that, but times a thousand. The music Mm -hmm. and the flowers were so absolutely amazing. And the experience cannot be put into human vocabulary. Um, It it just, the words defy it. It's just an experience. Um, I arrived at a place, and the only definition I can give to it is like a weighing station. Mm -hmm. I knew there were places to go beyond that but I had to have for some reason I had to stop at that waiting station and I was suddenly um, facing and filled with this supreme body of light the highest love that you there's nothing you can imagine in, in, in on this planet but mm-hmm. the love was just filling every single cell every single essence of me. Of course, I don't think we have cells at, at, at that point, but it's just an analogy right. I've used. It's, it just fills you with so much love. And uh, if you can imagine the most exciting, the most blissful, the most ecstatic, the most joyful event you've ever had in your life, and then multiply it times 100, 1,000, 10,000, and it just, you're just so filled with it. And at that point, no one, I can't imagine anyone that would ever want to turn around, you know, and slam yourself back into this dense physical body. I totally agree. I totally agree. Now, was anyone ever with you or were you just kind of by yourself as you're kind of going up this spiritual elevator? No, I yes, I, the spiritual elevator is a very good analogy. And no, there was no one with me. Other people have reported, um, you know, near-death experiences or right. our body, and they've seen uh, other people or, or people who have passed on uh, who are now in the spirit world. I did not have that. I think, and this is just my in, intuition, that had I gone beyond the weighing station, I would have had that experience. And there may be things that I experienced that I do not recall, but these are the events that I was probably given permission to bring back in my memory. And and I assume that that is only because my message uh, is to be shared with people, maybe especially elderly people uh, that I've shared this message with. They appreciate it, and it gives them peace and healing. But what happened right. at this weighing station when this absolutely blissful event was taking place that was sort of preparing me to either go forward into the into the next dimensions mm-hmm. um, I all of a sudden had this flash and I said it telepathically there, of course there's no verbal communication 
And I said, but who will care for my children? I was a single mother. I, their father was out of state. Um, my parents were elderly. There was no one to care for my two little children. I would have left them as orphans. And as soon as I had that thought, this being of love and this being of light um, allowed me to move back into the physical dimension. Um, it is a great sacrifice, a sacrifice that only a mother would make for her children. Had I not had the children, there was no way I would have ever, ever turned around. And so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so the the experience is so incredibly joyful and loving. And but you know, when I came back, it was a very difficult recovery. Um, and then when I finally came out of the anesthetic, the uh, I re- I started putting the pieces together. And then right. I ca- a nurse came in and 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 I began to tell her, you know, what had happened that I died in that recovery room. And oh no, honey, of course you didn't. That's just the anesthetic. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, they and lied it about was- it. Can you imagine? That's what that? they really believe. That's what they really believe. Huh. Well, that's probably true, and especially when you think about back in the seventies, this was an unknown fact, which actually worked in my favor because I had no prior knowledge of anybody ever having this kind of experience. Nobody had written about it. There were no books or movies. So it wasn't like it was a, a, a figment of my imagination that came out through anesthetics. Right. And it was it was years later, uh, several years later, that Dr. Uh, Raymond Moody came out with his first book. And, of course, the main character in there was our good friend Daniel Brinkley. Mm-hmm. And uh, Daniel's book, of course, became a na- national bestseller, and his movie was viewed by over 30 million people. And I've met Daniel, and I just adore him. And he, I think, is an, was an integral part, as well as Moody's work, in me putting the pieces together. One of the things that authenticated uh, my friend Cheryl, as I had mentioned, insisted on being there at the hospital, and after she had waited in the waiting room for this 15 or 20-minute procedure, and it was, an hour had gone by, she was panicky, and she went and asked the nurses, and they, you know, they kept saying, no, she's okay. Right. She happened to glance through the window and saw me being wheeled out of the recovery room and my face was totally black and blue. Well, that indicates loss of blood. You go into oh, shock. Yeah. And, and what had happened, if I can piece the pieces together correctly, is that right after the surgery, everything was fine. But where they had clamped it, it burst open. And it gushed so much blood that everything, uh, you know, my, my I flatlined completely went into shock, and that's what caused the black and blue in the face. And, of course, they had to resuscitate me and work on me. And um, so that took the hour. Yeah, now, had she right. not been there, and she was an angelic presence, but had she not been there, that would not have authenticated what I experienced because, obviously, the hospital was denying it, you know? Absolutely. Right. right. Now, did you tell family and friends about this, or did you just kind of keep this to yourself? Oh, no, I kept it to myself, Mary, because everybody would have thought I was crazy at that point. And my friend Cheryl knew, and I knew, and that was about the extent of it, until Daniel Brinkley and Dr. Moody's work started coming out. 
I began to speak a little bit about it, not much. And right. but then I began noticing changes uh in my anatomy, in my physiology, in my mental, emotional, especially my spiritual. Um I have read that other people have had this experience and when they re-entered this physical realm, they somehow get neurologically rewired. And that hmm. certainly was the case for me. Um I didn't notice it a lot right off the bat. It, you know, it started to unfold kind of gradually. But my neurological system is different than everybody else's. I mean, I'm just a weirdo. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> You're actually probably I, the most I, normal one among us. I don't know about that. But uh, I disrupt electrical and electronic equipment on a regular basis. And I mm-hmm. remember years ago as a real estate broker uh, in our office, um, when the early fax machines came out, they weren't as, as sophisticated as they are now. And every time I was in a room and somebody's trying to send a fax, it would jam up. And it just got to the point where everybody knew that if they, if I was in the room, they had to send me out of the room so they could send a fax. Because as soon as okay. I was in the room, it jammed. Oh, yeah. And, you know, people, people began to accept this about me. Um, right. I began to charge batteries that were dead. I'd wear a, a watch on my hand that had a dead battery, and uh, just by my wearing it, I could charge it up, you know. And so different things in my neurological uh, makeup uh, began to unfold. Uh, my intuition, my mm-hmm. uh, intuitive powers, my dreams, all of these things I believe are connected to uh, my little trip outside of the, the planet, Oh, absolutely. And, uh, so as I began to tell the story, uh, uh, more and more people have heard stories, especially this past year with the um, the most popular book, and I just loved it, was The Afterlife of Billy Fingers. Right. And, awesome. And also uh, the believe, movie Heaven is for Real. I haven't seen it yet, but I, I, I definitely have it on my list because I absorb like a little sponge every movie, every book written, everything. Of course, you know, it's it's part of my heritage there. Right. So right. Um, Billy Fingers was, um, he had almost the identical experience as I did, except that when he got to the weighing station, he just kept moving on. He kept on going, and right, so right. He did. He didn't experience a tunnel and and. So it was like his story picks up where mine left off. And right. I was so enthralled to to read that story because I thought, ah, that was, that's the missing piece. That's that's what I wanted to know. And he states very clearly, and well, actually his sister who wrote the book, but he states that he was finally at this point in human evolution and consciousness that he was given permission to to give this his story and tell it. So maybe I experienced other things, but was not given either the memory or the permission to say more than what I had experienced. But But don't uh, you think a lot of people have had this same kind of experience? I know my husband has had a very similar experience with actually his brother coming to him, and he didn't talk about it for 40 years. So I'm just, it seems to me there's so many people now coming forward because we are at this level of consciousness where I think people are being open to it and understanding it more. Absolutely. You're absolutely correct. And, and since that has happened, you know, I have had, I could write a book and I probably should, 
so many uh, out-of-body experiences, uh, so many angelic inter- and divine interventions. Um, and, and, you know, I, I believe that, you know, we are not just this physical realm. We are uh, multidimensional, and we have so many bodies that we interact with. And, mm-hmm. you know, as I saw that physical body laying on the bed, that was only one of several and my light body ascended and went into other dimensions. But wow. um, my life changed spiritually. I was brought up in traditional Christian right. Catholic religion. And, um, and and this is not to, uh, you know, say anything negative about Christianity, because I think it certainly serves a purpose for whomever embraces it. I, I don't believe that... Um, you know, we should negate anybody's religious path because that's their journey and that's what they've chosen. But what happened with me is many of the beliefs began to fall by the wayside. Right. Um, things didn't make sense to me anymore. Like, why can't I eat a bologna sandwich on Friday? And if I <laughs> die before I go to confession on Saturday, am I going to spend eternity in hell? Could this God really do this to me? You know? Absolutely. So I began questioning things that just didn't seem authentic to my soul, to my my very essence, you know, not just trying to kick sand in in Christianity's face, but just actually trying to make sense of it to me. And um, so, you know, I I kind of embraced other Christian uh, religions that were a little bit more open and didn't have, uh, you know, the uh, the brim and yeah, and fear and, yeah. and brimstone, yes. Yeah, and you know and, what? I'm uh, I am I, Catholic, and I I I just totally understand this because obviously some of the things I'm doing are not exactly in the beliefs of the Catholic system. But I think there are so many things that it has to offer, but yet we need to question absolutely. a lot of things too. So I take the best of both worlds and kind of merge them, you know, into one. But we only have a couple right, minutes I, here. So. I think also that you have to remember that a lot of people that we consider to be because I was raised Catholic too, you know, Christian mystics. It's the difference mm-hmm. between yeah. religion and spirituality. Right. It's yes. like you walk Absolutely. through that door and and you are allowed to see the invisible, and that changes you in a way. And people that can't see it can't teach it to you. Right. Exactly. Oh, you're so right, Janice. Absolutely. There's well, we only have a couple system. minutes. So what I really want to find out is about how this. Long lost, I mean, this long lost love that you've had for like forty years. He, <laughs> the gentleman, dies, but now he's living with you. So explain that. <laughs> well, oh well. Last year on May fourth, um, I received a phone call from the gentleman's son, and um, we'd been apart for a number of years, but still in contact because. I believe love is eternal, and over those four decades, more than four decades, that we share this most incredible, deep, passionate, heartfelt love, there was never an unkind word or an argument between us. It was as if mm-hmm. our souls and hearts were totally connected and in sync. And I I do sincerely believe that, you know, we, we were soulmates, and so did he, and that we had lived other lives together and and uh, there was purpose for us coming together yet there was also purpose for us not to be together in a marital sense and we had made decisions to go different paths and I remarried he remarried 
and uh, then his children, uh, then he ended up divorced and single again, and I was divorced and single again, and we always thought we'd share our golden years in, in rocking chairs on the porch together, and he was just, he had just put his last child through college, and he was just getting ready to basically wrap it up so he could spend some time for himself and with me. And he lived in Michigan, which is where I'm from, and I'm in Las Vegas. And uh, we had thought, we had looked at many different places on the planet where we would like to retire together and spend our quality time. And uh, then I um, didn't hear from him for a while, and I didn't know that he had had a stroke. And uh, he was doing okay, from what I understood later, uh, recovery-wise, but then he you know, fell backwards, and he did pass away on May 4th, which happened to be the same day that I got married to my second husband, and which broke his heart tremendously. He said he would never recover from that, and, um, and he, he, he didn't. He, he really had a broken heart over that, so that the fact that he chose May 4th to exit the planet was a pretty big wake-up call for me, and his son called me, um, to tell me that he says, I found your, your name and your phone number in my father's cell phone. And he said, uh, he's being buried in two days. And he says, but I know how deeply he loved you and he would want you to know. And he said, if you will email me a farewell note, whatever you want my father to, to know about you, uh, and your relationship, um, I promise I won't read it, but I will seal it up, and I will take it to the funeral home tonight. Oh, I will nice. put it in an envelope oh, in his chest pocket next to his heart, and that would be buried with him. And that is oh, exactly wow. what happened. Yeah, it was very touching, oh, and it yeah. was very, very close. And she and he he spent two hours on the phone with me, and, and this is a man that's trying to bury his father and make funeral arrangements. So... At the end of it, he, after talking to me for so long, he said, Oh, Jean, he said, I now know why my father loved you so much. Oh, and I wow. Said, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, I, you know, just knowing that my message that I sent to him was put in an, a sealed envelope right. and was buried next, in, next to his heart and buried with him just means so much. And uh, But then things began to... Uh, unravel. It was. It's quite funny that I began to feel his presence, and certain <laughs> things. I mean, I could hear his voice. I could wow. smell his uh, his aroma. Um, he basically, over the last, it's been less than a year. It was last May. He's basically moved in with me. But there are times when he will say, "Listen to this," and I hear it very. I mean, I hear his voice very clearly, and it's usually the words to a song on a radio in another room, and I have to go over there to listen to it. And it's, uh, you know, one of his favorite songs is "I Will Wait for You," and uh, <laughs> but he, he has quite a repertoire. And, wow! Uh, the, my moving day, I moved last October, and it was I moved from one place to another complex, not too far away. And um, I, I had talked with him, and I said, you know, now that you're living here in this place with me, are you coming over to the next place? <laughs> you know, I'm wondering. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I was waiting for the moving coordinators to arrive in the truck and everything, and I opened up my front door, and there on the, on the little mat, my doormat, 
was one shiny penny and oh, one wow. white feather. Yes. Oh, yes. uh, wow. So That's an amazing yeah. story. But, Jean, we're running out of time. I want to thank you so, so much for being on the show. This is such an incredible story, and we most definitely will have to have you on again to talk about some of your other experiences. Oh, I would love to. And, uh, you know, I hope that they bring hope and healing and encouragement to other people and and maybe dispel some of the fear of crossing over over because – it's just like taking a step into the next room. It, it, really, it's not a big deal, <laughs> and it's a Absolutely. lot of fun. <laughs> yes, well, it is. Thank you so much. Have a great night. You too, and stay warm there in Chicago and St. Louis. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you, Jean. Good night. Thank Good night, you. Jean. Many blessings. Bye, sweetie. Bye. Okay, Janice, I guess yeah. at this time we'll have to go right into Illuminations. It's time for illumination. Food for your mind. Okay, Janet. I started to say, okay, to be of service to your neighbor is a solid foundation for contentment in this world. And that's by George Eliot, and I think that that goes with exactly what this new radio station of ours is going to do. Oh, absolutely. And mine is one of my favorite, favorite people, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. When we have done all the work we were sent to do, we are allowed to shed our body, which imprisons our soul like a cocoon and closes the future butterfly. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you, Janice, again for another fascinating show, and thank you to our wonderful listeners for joining us once again. Until next time, be inspired, be empowered, and be well. You've been listening to Heavenly Encounters, a journey to the other side. Good night. Good night.